count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Howdy, y'all. What is going on? Here we are. We are at the Cosmic Country Podcast, The Lost Highway. We have some Grateful Dead going on. This is some Scarlet Begonias. My voice cracked, and it's already the first 15 seconds of dialogue. I know this is going to be a good episode. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I got a new phone recently. And the phone for the first 48, 72 hours, it was like we were in a new relationship. And every two minutes, it was shooting me a text or a notification. Um, Everyone on the planet was hitting me up. I'm telling you, uh, stock apps, cooking apps, fitness apps, Facebook business, Facebook analytics, Facebook, Facebook marketing, Facebook itself, Facebook messenger. I swear it was like my uncle's best friend's cousin's sister's chihuahua's birthday and i was getting photos of it and i don't quite understand why we live in this world where we're getting all of this impulsive uh hypothalamus fear inducing chemical reactions of data coming in our face and nobody's telling us how to organize this shit so here's how i think we organize it here's at least one way to do it urgency importance general life stimulus three great categories and then four things you shouldn't care about whatsoever right so there's a story of warren buffett going talking to his his driver being like surely you don't want to be my driver forever right think of 25 goals that you want to achieve and he's like okay he tells warren buffett 25 goals he goes okay take five of those and then delete the rest of the 20. so those five are your urgent goals then your 20 are your important goals and then everything that didn't make that list is just general life population so I find myself a lot of times waking up at 6 a.m. being like, God, I don't have enough time at all today, <laughs> which is silly, it's ridiculously stupid. My dad somehow manages to feed three children and pay for a fantastic house and still has time to do hobbies and exercise every day. And then still has the mental wherewithal to be an optimistic and reasonable person that can consult the tumultuous life experiences from nine-year-olds, 21-year-olds, and 25-year-olds with consulting them on a daily basis. I think that's insane. So if you find yourself thinking you don't have enough time, odds are you're actually just not organizing your time well enough. And most likely that is what it is. If you spend four minutes on something every day for 365 days in a row, that ends up being 24 hours of, uh, of time. Uh, Earth time, that is. So odds are you're wasting your time for more than four minutes a day. So odds are you're wasting, you're wasting more than 24 hours a year. Now, if 24 hours, think about what one day's work is worth for you. You wouldn't want to just openly throw that out, out the window. So we waste time. We don't organize our time in ways that we can. So here's my suggestion for you, and I'm doing this right with you guys. And you can um, join me every morning on my Patreon as I do this. Um, I I am working on classifying the stimulus that comes into my life as urgent versus important versus general life stimulus. Take your goals, define the urgent ones, define the important ones, and then just simply keep stock of the general life simulation. And then that is the first step and the first way that you can actually start realizing that you have all the time in the world and potential in the world to actually achieve the things you want to achieve. 
another very important thing, and I suggest go listening to my episode with Mark Agnesi, is uh, daydreaming. Spend at least 15 minutes a day in front of whatever device it is that you like to write on, whether it's a notepad, I'll have a little Amazon Basics pad, or a MacBook or whatever, or a PC if you're one of those PC people. Um, take 15 minutes a day and try to envision your goals. This is a real thing that I see a lot of people doing or not doing, where they're, they're putting out projects and they're putting out content that isn't all the way fleshed out vision-wise. And um, I think that that's because we're acting based off fear and we're just putting things out just to put them out because we're not realizing the urgency of quality. We're thinking that there's an urgency in, 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 in quantity. There is an urgency. There's an importance to quantity, but there's an urgency in quality and there always will be. Valuable work will be valuable five to ten years from now. It's a real thing. My next guest today is Mr. Brent Mason, 12-time Academy of Country Music Guitarist of the Year Award winner, Musicians Hall of Fame and Museum inductee, a slew of other awards, and just hands down the most influential player to ever pick up a Fender Telecaster. He's recorded on over a thousand albums, one of the most recorded guitarists in the history of recorded music. Uh, absolutely the Floyd Mayweather undefeated reigning champion of country guitar. <laughs> um, and I don't know if people are going to look at it as competitively as I do, but when you have a career that is as phenomenal as Brent Mason's and you've played on hits for George Strait, Alan Jackson, Shania Twain, Brooks and Dunn, Zach Brown, and, and everyone, um, it's fair to say uh, this was an absolute privilege to have this conversation with Brent uh, things. This is one of the more interesting podcasts I've ever done because his wife Julie was bringing us coffee uh, throughout the conversation, and she kept on bringing up points that she wanted to make sure Brent would talk about. And I thought it was really heartwarming to see um, his partner be such a champion for his career. And that's something that doesn't really get uh, spoken enough about, which is how big of a deal teamwork really is. And um, so I actually kept in a lot of the dialogue that Julie had uh, with Brent and I. Uh, just a really fantastic conversation that only happened one time in the history of the planet, and there happened to be two SM57s set up there. Uh, absolute dream for me to be able to sit down in Brent's house and talk guitar with him. Again, one of my biggest heroes. Cannot wait for you guys to hear this. Mr. Brent Mason. What's that? Yeah. Cats yeah. destroy my allergies, man. Um, what does? Cats do. Living here in Tennessee, bad for the allergies, and then cats do. Uh, my voice is gone because of it. I, I, I try to talk, and I, I don't have a... There's a certain uh, t temper, temper in it, you know, that go, it's gone. Whoa. You know, yeah. I guess, you know, that's an old man. <laughs> hey, so I mean, yeah, yeah, Daniel. <laughs> when I first get to... You know, if I'm out of town, come to Nashville, and if it's bad pollen, my voice is gone. It, it, it you know, part of it's in. I have indigestion and stuff, but it's it's kind of uh, disappointing sometimes. It's really bad, you know. Something like this. I mean, I get through them, but it sounds so gruffy. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hey, something I wanted to ask you about was age. What's that? Something I wanted to ask you about was age. I wanted okay. to ask about. So someone sent me a video the other day, and it was a video of me playing one of your solos. And that was when I was like, I don't know, I was a teenager. Now I'm 25. 
And it was a video of me covering a solo that you played in 1981 with Mark O'Connor. That's uh, my, And the look on your face is like, whoa, that's 1981. That's crazy, right? Yeah. What is that like to kind of like, you have your head. Was a look guitar. of fear <laughs> <laughs> with Mark O'Connor. The analysis of like, man, you have been playing for so long. You've been playing music for so long at such a high level. And you have a guitar, you have a, a, a symbol to kind of like more or less commemorate all the years and all the change that you've gone through. And so the thing I wanted to ask you about is like, what is that? Do you ever think about that? Like you were once a a very, very young man having to prove yourself (laughs) to the world on that Mm -hmm. same guitar. And like, here we are years later and there's like all these platinum albums on the wall. Three kids are raised. Guitars named after you. Uh, People that are, you know, dedicating hours to the craft inspired by you, myself included. Mm -hmm. Do you ever sit down and, and does that ever hit you? Uh, not uh, you just kind of went through. This is your life, yeah. Uh, <laughs> totally. In one, in like three minutes. I never. I, I, I thought about it a little bit. I, I just hadn't thought about it in its entirety like that. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, that's kind of a outside look into my life. You know, so it's uh, you know, introspective for me. At, at certain points, you know, I I go, wow, I've done I've done this a lot. Yeah. And accomplished a lot, you know. But it it seems yes. like. Musicians are always, you know, trying to get somewhere else where they haven't been, you know, and sometimes it's, you got to look back in retrospect, retrospectively and go, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with, you know, my life and what I've accomplished and stuff yeah. like that. So at a certain point, then you go, I, w- I just want to enjoy life now. And, and that includes music. You never stop playing music, you know. So if you say you're retired, that don't mean you, okay, yeah. no more music. I've I'm retired. It doesn't work that uh, way. Basically, it's like, hey, I got to play, enjoy some stuff, and, and play my own music, you know, or whatever. You wow. Know, but uh, I, it's hard to, I mean, I look back, and yeah, in, in, in the scope of that, you know, magnitude, and go, that's, I, I have thought about that, and I thought, man, I've been, I've been in Nashville a long time. Long time? Yeah. In a long lot before of you were even thought of. How crazy is that? <laughs> it's crazy. And the thing that's so crazy is the fact that the, the notes that you've played and, and the way that you've put out your music inspires people who, have, who were born years after the fact and are spending hours a day and, you know, touring across the country playing ideas that are inspired by you. Like, there's so much truth that goes into your playing. Do you ever think about, like, the depth of that as well? Uh, no. I know. That's the thing. <laughs> that's right? your answer. I yeah, mean, right? that's my answer. Uh, duh. It's, it's so real, right? That's the realest thing. Well, yeah. Well, I, I, I appreciate you know. The, like Don Kelly just retired. Yeah, he did. He just there you retired. go. There's a good example. And it's, you were the first player in his band. Right. I was one of the last players in his band. Yeah. And it's like, uh, my God, man. That you were what you were playing in 1981 is inspiring people uh, to sit down at a honky tonk in 2015, and it's like yeah. that's the craziest thing yeah. too. And that's it's wild. I, I see music evolve and change a lot, you know, through all the you know, like every decade they always say it's something. There's a new evolution of things, you know. Wow. Especially in studio, you know, like like the Wrecking Crew, you know. You have that Wrecking Crew strap on on that Telecaster, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that a symbol? What, what's that? I'm sorry. Is that kind of like a symbol? Yeah, I, I, I just you know I respect you know all the all the folks that, that, all the musicians that play the record crew. Yeah. You know Tommy Tedesco and all the all the gang, but but they've had uh, the, you know that it's kind of the unsung heroes because 
they've played on so many records, the Wrecking Crew, that you could, it's just countless records, and people don't realize that sometimes it's not the artist or the band that's playing on the records, it's Tommy Tedesco and the crew, you know, all those guys that are doing them. And the only they're, they're they're listed. They used to be listed on albums. I don't even know if they do that anymore on credits. Seems like they minus off the, the 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 musician credits these days. There's you know they give more uh, credit to like promotions and record label people and you know social media people now. You know right, and, and the, the kind of the musicians kind of got pushed aside on 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 the credits. Was it always you, that you way? You notice that? Oh my God, man! All the time. All the time, and but the 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 underground kind of community of people who love musicians, they're searching hard to see who's playing on those records. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, besides what what was allmusic.com or all music? Yeah, that's where you usually get the stuff. He left out a really important detail about the strap. What is that? It was given to him by Denny Tedesco. No oh, way! Yeah, I was, was going to tell him about. Are that. you serious? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry I got sidetracked on that. Yeah, that's part, fine. But, it's uh, all good. This is the medium for yeah. sidetrack. Well, I, I donated a little money to to help. You know, the licensing fees on on just to put that movie out was just astronomical. I bet so. Because there was so much music in that film that that, and you have to pay licensing fees for each song. So it was just like out of this world, astronomical. So I mean, a lot of the people that involved or other musicians, whoever. Uh, Helped, uh, you know, donate a little bit of money to for the licensing fees. You know, it was I was uh, I felt uh, akin to the movie because I'm, you know, I'm in Nashville, oh, I do the same stuff. Oh right. So I, I, you know, I, I kind of, I sponsored the Glenn Campbell portion of of the music, you know, and they gave me a little credit at the end, you know, dedicated by Brent Mason. So I didn't even expect that. So I was well, like, oh, that's sweet, that's cool. But uh, oh, man. you know, it wasn't like there was like thousands and thousands of dollars you know just a bunch of people helped uh, you know put a little chunk of money in there to to get that movie out i think that movie and the movie hired gun i don't know if you have you seen that I one i haven't as seen well? that one. Oh, that one's insane kenny arnoff in it yeah uh, kenny, that's, <laughs> what a funny guy he's enough just to make it a, a crazy movie anyway kenny, <laughs> right? he's a he's a bouncing off the walls man i had no guy. idea how much like country music he'd actually played on yeah, he did. I've worked on some albums with him, you know, for yeah. sure. I, I I came and, you know, he came to Nashville quite a bit. I don't know if he does anymore. I haven't seen him lately, but that doesn't mean he's not. It just he's he came here quite a bit to, to, to play on some records here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. He is like, um, it, the, his role in that movie is very quintessential because he talks about just the reality of, of how much, like, if you're a guy who goes out and tours, and Jake Owens, I, that's what it was. I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you oh, for no, a minute, please do. and then I'll let you. No, no, please do. While I'm thinking about it, Jake Owens, he was he and I were playing on Jake, Jake Owen or Jake Owens. Jake Jake Owen. Okay, I love yeah, Jake Owen. Yeah, Jake so Owen. I didn't know you played on that Jake Owen record, the new one. Yeah, it was it was not the new one. No, this was this was like three, four back or something. This Whoa, was back yeah. a while, you know. When, I think when he first had success, uh, uh, who I can't think who was producing him at the oh Jimmy Ritchie. Oh, whoa, man, that's yeah, a great did producer. A great album, and, and Kenny was on that, that album. But anyway, I'm sorry, I oh, was just interjecting that because it just came to me. But no, go please ahead and feel free to as well. Your please, there. please do. Yeah, he talks about like if you're a touring guy, and who knows where touring's going to be going, 
right? But it's like, if that's all you do, you are really like putting your eggs in a very tricky basket because you at any second can kind of be knocked off the boat because uh, you're not your own boss. And the thing that I always loved about session players or, or what I'm doing is that you actually have the ability to kind of be your own CEO and you can be your own boss and be your own business manager. Yeah. And was that something that incentivized you to, to start b- doing sessions? Because you, you're your own guy, you're your own artist. You put out your own music, and you've also you were even signed to Mercury, right? Like you had a record deal with them. Mm-hmm. But then you also did sessions to the degree that no one else has ever even like come close to to to, to notching up on. And so you've always kind of been your own independent, your own independent musician running your own business. Uh, was that your intention from the start to kind of make sure that you were owning it all and, and running your own business? Uh, no, I mean, from the start, I just, I didn't know where it was going to land, you know? Whoa. I was just, I mean, if you're talking about when I first came to Nashville, what, what aspirations and yeah. I had. I just wanted to play, be somewhere where there was music all around and around me and be involved in something, you know, uh, and great players, too, so Man. I could up my ante a little bit, you know? Well, uh, didn't... I had no idea, like, I didn't come with the mindset of, I'm going to be a session player, and that's all I'm going to be. I'm not going to hey, go out on the road or anything. I'm going to go in. I'm going to be beating it as a session player. And that's, I didn't have that mindset at all. Actually, it was, you know, when I was about 20, when I got here, is I, I want to jam. I want to come here because I hear all these great players like Buddy Emmons and, you know, uh, uh, Paul Franklin and, and all these pickers, you know, that were just. Um, those are steel players. I mentioned it, so I was I was a big fan of steel guitar. You can't not be. You know, you like Paul, Ralph Buddy Emmons for sure, and then Paul Franklin. You know, you can't get any better than that. Oh man! And uh, but a lot of these guys were playing hillbilly jazz. You know, yeah, way from way back. Yeah, you know when I was talking about you know like Buddy Emmons and Bobby oh, Caldwell and all those people were playing jazz here, um, and. Don Kelly was the one, you know, at work. You work with Don. Don, yeah. he says, you can't be playing that. You, you want your phone to ring, don't you? And I went, yeah. I mean, you can't play jazz in green, green grass at home, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, was, you can't play outside notes and stuff. And I go, yeah. Well, that's what I thought. When I was a kid, I thought, that's what they're playing here, though. <sighs> when I'm driving to Nashville, everybody's going to be playing hillbilly jazz and jazz or whatever. Not just, you know, whatever. Lenny Burrow was, you know, around oh. and... Who's a better jazz player than he? Right? No one was better than Lenny no. Bro. Yeah, yeah, he the, was the master. Very profound, you know, with his style and and, and playing. Uh, but anyway, no. <laughs> long, long answer for a short question. But uh, so, you want your phone but, to ring, but I started to <laughs> have an affinity for session players and stuff. You know, when I worked with David Hungate and Larry London and legends, Pig Robbins and all that. I was, I was in. Now I will say this: I was so much in awe of them, more than than the artist's album, artist who was on the album. I was more like involved in who the guys were playing it on on the records. So I look at Jerry Reed and I go, "Well, of course Jerry Reed's a monster, but look who's on here: Pig Robbins, Charlie McCoy." You know, and I was a big fan of those. Like I was, you know, a, 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 a germ kind of they call it. You know, with them. So when I said in my first sessions, when I was sitting around people like David Huntgate or Larry London, I was like a nervous wreck. You know, I thought they're going to judge me the way I play right now. This is they—they they probably thought or or heard about me. Hey, here's this kid. Let's see how he how he does. You know, let's see yeah. if he's any good. In my head, that's what that's what I thought they were thinking. 
you know, but they were real sweet, you know, they, they, they would tease me a lot. But I, I had to go through a period of that, you know, a trial period. <laughs> I put myself through hell, you know, I was, uh, you know, being a, kind of a sensitive guy anyway. I just wanted sure. to, and a perfectionist, which, you know, kind of played against me in certain aspects. <clears throat> oh, wow. Well, session players do kind of add to that uh amount of perfectionism i think so because everything is under the scope and, and you know when you're playing with all those guys like that they're you're seeing the best of the best yeah man players you know yes it's like reggie young and you know all the guys yeah when i first i, I watched uh, fred newell on the tele telecaster and i thought boy that that is the perfect telly tone man yeah you know but who, who would have thought of him you know uh but but he was he's a great player and he played on a lot of great records always had a great tone it was a natural tone well right? was it that process it was just real pure and organic and he had some effects on it but they were look like an analog uh like a clone or something he'd put on that would be a stereo chorus or whatever sure right. but he, but I haven't talked about him a lot, but when I came here, I really admired Fred's playing, you know, on his stuff. You know, uh, Phil Ball with all the pedals and. You cannot touch Phil. <laughs> yeah, my yeah, God. but I'm 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 uh, happy to see that you know all those guys. Too. I'm obsessed. Yeah. I'm obsessed. I feel like I was born about a millimeter off in time. Good. But you know, Grady Martin. I mean, but maybe, Grady Martin for sure. Yeah. I mean, historically, I, mean, I don't want to leave him out. Yeah. He's important. To, but 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 as a kid, you know, uh, also just uh, wrapping this up, thing, uh, the uh, like Merle Haggard band, the Strangers, with Roy Nichols. Roy Nichols, oh, I was a big fan of him. So he's a backup musician. So yeah. to me, he was a star. Of course, yeah. Merle, of course, the, one of the best in the world. You yeah. know, songwriter and did you ever work with singer. Merle? I've worked with Merle on, uh, I think one. Uh, let's see, I worked with him just on live shows a couple times. Mm. I, I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't. I only recorded him when he teamed up with I think he and Willie and yeah. Ray Price did a record or something. Merle was on it. Yeah. And they, the three of them, you know, did an album, legendary. A legendary album. Mount Rushmore there, so, yeah. You know, on the microphones. But uh, yeah. And who also was it? It was um, who played with Merle? He played that Red Les Paul. And he came to town. He said he did a session. Clint Strong. Clint Strong. Yeah, Clint Strong was one, is one of the best jazz players I've but ever. He can heard. never make a career work, right? He can never like turn that skill and make it into a a, a a lucrative endeavor, a career. He he plays phenomenally well. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But never did sessions. He never quite was able to turn it into that thing. N no, I guess not. You yeah. know, there's, there's, you know. Well, those guys like Red Volkart, you know, just they, they play just beautifully, yeah. you know. But, you know, just to say, hey, you know, did a few sessions, but I want to play my own music. You know, you got to respect that. Yes, you do. And, and maybe the session things just didn't, wasn't their thing. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but I well, mean. And that's real, too. Oh, I would love some coffee, Julie. Oh yeah, you're fine. Okay, I'm gonna yeah, and also, yeah, yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna bring Daniel down. I want Daniel to see the custom shop. I would love to. Yeah, but they're they're sending me first. one too. I just want him to see it next to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, and we got to get that photo. And then I'm gonna bring the coffee up, and I'm taking one more yeah. picture because that sun was in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think he did the right move. He's, you know, he found his niche. Yeah, that's what it's about, I mean, right? You, you, you're making your mark and have made it already. You're yeah. already in the 
you know yeah core of that so my thing is definitely as as i think right now which i you know I, you probably go through many variations between 61 and 25 as as your identity as a person right but it doesn't seem like my thing is sessions where is but the, isn't it right over there it's i think it's in here that's right around saw there. two of the same telecast right i walked in yeah i'll get it i'll get it i'm doing this and then I'll okay <laughs> but 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 um <laughs> so this okay. is this is the one. No, man. that's that's the custom shop. This one. is the custom shop. This so is the one. They're sending me a new one. Look at that. I cannot believe that. Yeah, the new ones are good. The good. new ones look cool. But, but uh, I wanted to bring it here today, but I didn't get it in time. Well, and Joe Glazer's got Brent's right now. The, yeah, the he's doing some measurements on it. Okay. So I have to pick it up after we get done. Does this freak you out to see that? Yeah, it's sort of freaky. Even we come up. I mean, look at that. Can I if see I was, it? If I was at Third Lindsley and it was a bit dark, I think that was it. I, Brent, it's heavier. I, want you I don't to know. I don't know if you remember. I came and saw you guys at Third Lindsley once, and I was there with Saul. Yeah. And you let me play that on Working Man Blues. You invited yeah, me up. Yeah, I remember that. that song. And it changed You're about my this, this Yeah, it was about that. <laughs> That's much heavier. Why? Why is it so much heavier? We don't know. Maybe old wood dries out. So it turns out to sixty-seven. Yeah, how funny is that? that? Well, it's uh, okay. the late. It's uh, that was uh, birthed November third, nineteen sixty-seven. How funny is that? So it went out to the stores in sixty-eight, probably. <laughs> you know, the later that was a late winter. <clears throat> it's so funny, man. This is so. It's got, it has a, a bender in it. You know, a B bender. Oh yeah, the glazer bender is yeah. the most genius. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. It, it, Do you ever move it to the G string at all? Or you just keep I, it on? It, it's capable of that. I haven't done it yet. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. not I'm not really a crazed B G bender kind of guy. I always just like kind of like the Clarence White kind of thing, you know. Oh, we'll put it right here. Yeah. Thank you, Julie. Yours. This Ooh, is the Hall of Fame Museum. Beautiful. When you are inducted in there, all yeah. you get is that cup. Hey, it's not bad. They probably make you pay for it, and don't they? They did not. <laughs> <laughs> you get like the the metal thing over there. Okay. All right. Now, now let us talk. Take a picture and then I'm leaving. I'm <laughs> sorry. Great. Please don't be mad. No, I'm not. This is beautiful. Here's what I want. I want a picture of Daniel holding both of these for the. Oh my God! All right. I want you to, sh to have. Well, maybe he doesn't want to. He does. <laughs> right. Do you not want to? No, I want to very badly. Okay, I want to. Wow, make very sure interesting. That... Wow, it's crazy. Okay. Yeah. One. One two. All right. Two. Three. Oh. Do I look handsome? You look really cute. All right. And handsome. One, two, three. Okay. Thanks for this. What was it eventually that made Fender approach you? They're like, we got our shit together. Yeah. We, it's about time we do a Brett Mason telly. What was that yeah. conversation like? Well, Joe, Joey Brazzer, you know, from L.A., the mm -hmm. L.A. Uh, division mm -hmm. uh, of Fender there. He had an idea to do the Storyteller Telecaster. Uh, well, Fender guitar, because I think they're doing some strats, too. Yep. So he told me about the Storyteller idea, and he was interested in me being a part of that. Uh, you know, a story associated with a guitar that, you know, has a story behind it. Has this a history. is the story, yeah. And uh, oh so I thought it was a really cool idea, and that's how it, the whole brainchild came about from him. Whoa. And it, it, it kind of evolved from there. That was, and that was about three years prior to, to up to now. Yeah. Well. So it was a long in the making, but uh, it, it's a cool, it, you know, it's a cool idea. They got some other people too that that'll come around. I think well, they did Eric Johnson and 
Uh, mm. Maybe Skunk Baxter. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to say off the record. I'm not sure, but that's who originally he, he was throwing out some names that he was going to do. The neck on this is unreal. Yeah, the neck. You know, it's a seven and a quarter. You, uh, neck. You know, shape. Neck. Shape. And it's. Maple- I like that neck. Is it a maple cup? Yeah. Yeah, that's the sound. That's part of the sound, at least. I don't know. That's wild, man. Does this freak you out to see like um? Yeah, it's just it's when they got the specs off that it was almost like it was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I thought you're gonna take that apart. Who knows a cigarette butt could fall out or something <laughs> or worse. Or but I, I I was it's almost like unclothing yourself. Yeah. In public on a street or something, you know. Right. I was like, oh my god. I, I'm not ready. For but this. they took it apart, took all the specs, and you know, and they ran with it after that man and they're but, selling well yeah they they sold like they sold like five or six hundred in the first six hours when it came out <laughs> that's so, crazy you know hopefully it's uh you know it'll continue to do so you probably never thought about the thing that's so beautiful man is that you probably never thought about doing you never saw 2020 coming when you were going to sell 600 of these in the first six hours when you had the ingenious idea of going to, to Joe and you guys came up with the, the, the out of phase thing and then, you know, mm-hmm. adding in the middle pickup and you did it all out of necessity and it just kind of ended yeah, up being just, Well, you know, I'm a broke musician. <laughs> Living in a duplex, uh, half of a house, a duplex, duplex in Madison, what, Tennessee. Oh, and when Madison probably wasn't very safe at that, at that point in time. Uh... Yeah, you know, it wasn't the greatest part of town, but it was, yeah. you know, I was next to a church, you know. <laughs> so, okay, got some proximity. So I had some somebody watching over me, maybe. Um, no, it was, you know, it was uh, a time where I couldn't afford to have more than, you know, I would have loved to have had a Tele, a Strat, and a, night, and a 335, and a Les Paul or something, you know. Yeah. But I had to trade one in to get the other, get another. So, but but you know, a funny story with Don Kelly. I, when I first came to Nashville, I had a Hagstrom Swede. Are you familiar with those? No way, did you have a Hagstrom. <laughs> That's what I played. Are you? And serious? I got a lot out of that guitar. It wasn't a bad sounding guitar, man. It had a lot of look, you know switches on oh, it, yeah. so you could do a lot of things with. There was a lot going yeah. on. Yeah. So you didn't even play it. But I don't even know who played a Hagstrom Swede. I know Bob Seger had one. You that know, was but. the only person I know that had. One. <laughs> Doesn't Alan Holdsworth play the Hagstrom, right? I think so. You're right. Um, why is that? Because you were just in Ohio and they didn't really have telly. Yeah, well, there? that's what my dad got me for for my birthday or a Christmas. I can't remember. It was a birthday present or a Christmas present, and I bought it. You know, first electric guitar I had all the way and took it to Nashville. Of course, Don Kelly goes, oh, you're going to have to get, you know, you, you need to get you a Telecaster. And he was and right. And I go, yeah, I know. You're right. Because I was, like I said, I was watching guys like Fred Newell and all the great, great Telecast players. Even Roy? Roy Nichols, of course. Roy right? Buchanan, too, yeah. Don Rich. Every, you know, Bakersfield Sound, you got to have a Don telecaster, Rich's tone. right? Yeah, man, that was the sound of those telecasters. You know, Danny Gatton, all oh. those all those. Were you cats. into Danny Gatton? What's that? Are you a fan of Danny Gatton? Yeah, I was, I was a fan of Danny's. Yeah. I mean, later on, I didn't know much about him as a kid because I was, I was just like a Jerry Reed. Like, there wasn't only one guy on the planet but Jerry Reed when I was a kid. So I had to go through all the Jerry Reed's stuff. Man. And then, you know, then experience other players later on. But yeah, Danny was a great player. I thought just his sort of reckless abandon, like a, a right. controlled chaos kind of a thing, you know. Yeah, Jim kind of has that too. And his versatility and just yeah. spark and 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 a lot of 
spazzazz and you know I, I thought it was cool explosive just and you know could play play jazz rock country you know and kind of put it all fuse it all together and 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 just you know be a, a fantastic player like that um but anyway so don you know we went and got this tell we bought those i told this story and you know that old story we, anyway we got these telecasters don bought one i bought one and i didn't he bought that one the yeah. gray one the one i'm holding yeah well yeah the one the, the original one. one yeah right Brian, who knows you. what the original one is who knows anymore it's like this identity crisis but anyway when we were playing them i said man i kind of like that he was playing a butterscotch I, I was playing the butterscotch one or something i bought and I said, can I play that one? Which is the gray one. And he goes, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because he's going to sell it anyway. He yeah, doesn't right. care. <laughs> yeah. So I played, oh I, I kind of like this. And he, and he did. He goes, well, just keep that one. That's fine. I don't care. I like this one. And that, that was probably going in a month or even not even a month. A couple of weeks he not traded even. it on some, yeah. something else. So oh, man. that's how it came about. We've done a gig down at Roberts playing 6 to 10. I don't know what times you guys played at the stagecoach. We would play 6 to 10. People would always come during NAM and give us guitars, pedals, straps. And the next day, Don's like, uh, oh, meet me at Monell's, 10 a.m. It's like 10 a.m. Monell's, yeah. Monell's eating fried chicken by 10.30. By 11 a.m., we're at Rock Block selling guitars that were gifted yeah. to us the day before. Was, with When I was playing, which is <laughs> you know, much further back, Different than time. you, yeah. Uh, it, we was always let's go to Cisco's. It was a, like a Cisco. breakfast place up on Murfreesboro Road. You know, speaking of not a very good area, Murfreesboro, you know, man, everyone knows a Murfreesboro that. Road up there towards town. But it, we, you know, he'd, he'd say, "Boys, come on, we're going to Cisco's." You know, <laughs> we'd, it'd be like three in the morning. We're eating whatever steaks or or eggs or whatever. You know, so wow. that was his thing then. Cisco's was Don wearing the or hat El then? Chico's back then i'm not familiar with that one that must have been closed <laughs> yeah that was the earlier days uh, the don kelly phase of was he still wearing that straw hat in that yeah, time yeah yeah he had that straw unchanging yeah strap on. damn man but, yeah cool. those you know you've you experienced those later oh man yeah but he he'd doing that for years you know he and didn't stop i guess the covid stuff when it came in i just finally bit the the straw that broke the camel's back yeah, rightfully. He left at a great time. A lot of respect. He did a beautiful job. Very heroic. Yeah. You know, he stayed true to the music. Yeah, he was kind of the cat daddy of that, that you know, that, that the live gigs, you know, Nashville gigs. I had no idea until, until I was talking to Don recently that that gig was how Chet Atkins found, like, found you, like, in some way. I know you had yeah. kind of met Chet previously by trying to go play for him at RCA. Um, as you told in that Fender YouTube video that everyone should go watch if they haven't seen it yet, but um, Chet came and watched you. Yeah, that. Chet came in several times, yeah. and it was a rough club. I was actually worried. For it's a him. smoking club. Yeah, the yeah. stagecoach. I don't. I guess rough it was house. rough. Was it rough when you were playing in it? I mean, it wasn't even there when I was when I was when it came time for me to be inspired and, and try to play. It was already gone. Where, where did you when you played with Donald? You were down on Broadway, Roberts. right? Yeah, okay. And back Paul, then, yeah, it was a there was a I think the Grim Reapers ran the club <laughs> uh, at some point, or the bouncers. Uh, and I literally see people get bounced out of there. Oh, I'm you sure know, you do. Yeah, yeah, earned the name bouncer. The guy there was there, but it was rough. So uh, you know, a Chet came in. And uh, I remember somebody teasing Chet 
uh, some dude because no. he had pink socks on and he had like high water pants on he was sitting there like i'm sitting with my you know his leg up he's a country club the man. pink socks he goes look at old pink socks over there and i thought oh no oh my god you know he made it out of there unscathed but uh you know i never <laughs> i i don't even know if i've told you about that story but uh, I thought, oh my God! Oh, I, I was nervous the whole show. Because you, you know? were a young kid. Well, he brought George Benson in, Holy you know, too. And you know, this is the South, and I'll say no more. I, hopefully, nobody was racist or anything, but you know, there could be. Of course, you know, were, could yeah. be. It's happened. It's happened. And I was worried for him. But 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 actually, he was uh, Benson. It was a time where he was on top of the charts. I think you know, Quincy Jones had produced an album, and he had like, you know, Breezin was out and all Quincy that. Quincy produced Breezin. What's that? Quincy Jones produced that whole not, album. No, not that album. I don't, oh. he, 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 it was about four or five albums after that, like on Broadway. I don't I don't think Quincy produced that. It was uh, Give Me the Night. That oh, was okay. a Quincy, Quincy Jones. It was yeah. pop stuff then. But, you know, Benson had great albums like Cook, the, the, Cookbook is it. Cookbook is one of the best. Blue Benson. You oh, know. man. Do, 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 do. You know, the Billy's yeah. Bounce thing was one of my favorites. But they came, anyway, they came, people would come up to him to get autographs. I thought, oh, you know. Good. You're a star, you're a star, you know. Whoa. And, uh, but, it, but he also came, he brought Neil Sean in from Journey. Different players. Ray Flack came in originally with Chet, you know, played with Ricky Skaggs. Yep. I was a big fan of Ray. Another great Telecaster player. With that's the not mentioned that's a lot. Unscathed. Ray Flack is a yeah. mofo. Yeah, I like the that. Telecaster, right? <laughs> He was playing all that stuff like Heartbreak and Heartbroke. I'm sorry, Ricky Skaggs. Oh, Highway and, uh, 40 Blues. and that's If you listen, that's still some of the best guitar playing, I think, recorded on country. on a, And the tone. I, I think it's one of the best. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have to say that for Ray Flack. You know? Wow, I'll man. Give him. That tone, it's... <clears throat> I was... Uh, like The tone that you had largely through the 90s is the deluxe reverb with like a couple pedals. Yeah, I went through a lot of uh, different phases with my tone, but I was always searching, you know, for something that was more uh, uh, organic. You know, when it was time to play a Telluride, it was hard to play a Telluride plugged in direct coming out of a, you know, a, a those Jerry Reed tones. Like, that, <laughs> is that like Alabama Jubilee Jerry Reed? Those things like sound very direct. Those tones, they sound very direct know, and compressed. Yeah, I, I I think they were transistor amps. <gasps> Oh, uh, you know, with a, with a Dynacomp compressor, a heavy, you know, comp. and sometimes those Dynacomp compressors, you know, the MXR Dynacomps, yeah, absolutely, will be more effective, have a more of an effect to it with a solid state like a PV solid state or something. Mm -hmm. it, it gives a little squeeze like a pop, you know. Reggie used that squeeze that MXR Reggie Young yeah. used that squeeze, a lot of attack and compression thing, heavy. Yeah, it was the so wayland. they were clean tones, but you bend them and they sustain. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't have to have the amp on stun mode to to, to keep a soaring note going. You know. I see. Uh, yeah. But I, that's I, I don't know exactly what Jerry used on those, but I, I think they were more of a transistor. Uh, that's that's my uh, you know high, uh, educated guess there. Having been such a fan of you. I mean, man, since I, for the day I picked up a Telecaster, um, I just now I'm getting into Jerry Reed, like understanding it. And I now I'm seeing how much of him lives in what you do yeah. stylistically. And it's like this sub, like even the, like the way you sing and deliver your, your yeah, own material. Right. Like, uh, like that Merle Haggard, uh, Bringing Home Good News. Like the way you deliver that song 
is almost in the vein that Jerry would. Yeah, I get, get. it is. You're right. And so, like, how much of like that is conscious? Like, he must have been like the biggest influence on you. Oh, he was. Yeah. 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 He's it's, on like it's, any. It's sort of subconscious, you know. I just, I just a song like that. That's, I guess, that's just what spills out of, off my tongue, you know. That or or my whole attitude is is it? Not, then I listen to it and go. Wow, that sounds like Jerry Reed. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> it's so he Jerry Reed, like he can't help but sound like Jerry Reed with everything he did. It was unlike anyone who's ever played a yeah. guitar before. But I mean, because those albums, if you know, I would, I would, uh, I remember I, when I was a kid. You know, all they had was a vinyl. You know, they had LPs. You know, vinyl LPs. Oh yeah, but, but they list all the you know credits on them. Like I said earlier, about you know all the musicians who were on them. But I mean, to me, each album was monumental at that time, like the early '70s, and uh, and then as I went back retroactive, you know, retrospectively, and listened to some of the older Jerry Reed '60s, it blew my mind. I didn't even uh, I didn't start with that era, you know. It kind of skipped back. So when I heard unbelievable voice and guitar Jerry Reed, it just was like it blew my mind. And it was all gut string guitar, right? It wasn't there wasn't electric then. Not then. Uh, uh, what is the other one? Uh, Jerry Jerry Reed explores guitar, guitar country. country. Isn't that something you've heard that? Oh man, you recommended that album to me. Yeah. Did you get to hear it? Oh man. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Sitting on top of the world. Like <laughs> who's doing inversions like that and substitutions? Like no one was doing no, that. That was amazing. It's on. It's almost then, like. Then, then later, it got into electric stuff. You and that know, changed uh, everything. Like, changed the game. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it got it. You know, I wasn't so much of a fan of uh, the commercial stuff. Like when you're hot, you're hot. It was more of a novelty song, you know. And people yeah. would say, "Yeah, Jerry Reed. Yeah, when you're hot, you're hot." Amos Moses, which Amos, was a good song. Amos though. is really good. Yeah. But 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 if when you go buy the album inside the album, you know how things are kind of lost in obscurity in the middle of an album back then. Until you got the album, then you would listen to the whole thing. There'd be all kinds of different things on there, cool things. Back then, it wasn't like uh, you know there would be some cool different sound of things on an album. You know, later as they made albums, when I was recording, and, and even later than that, in my. Uh, uh, experience of recording every song had to be a potential single or it wasn't you know or it wasn't acceptable oh wow yeah Un unless you're somebody like you know chris stapleton or something where you can you know establish a, you know your your a stardom and you know you can then you could do some cool things yeah. that you want to do in the middle of an album right but, oh, but sure. there was an era where everybody and it might have been the 90s or the early 2000s yeah. where every cut this yeah. you know this think tank record label executive folk got together and decided everything had to be a potential single and anything that was didn't reach that potential status had to be x'd out and and re, you know wasn't worthy of being on the record <laughs> like, on the album the monetization opportunities though in the 90s were like the most lucrative years that music's ever had right and it's like well, yeah that, right right you know. everything you know was such a commodity at that point uh, but, but there was an air you know like the beatles you know you know if you sergeant pepper yeah. it was filled with all kinds of different things you, know, you didn't and, know what you're going to hear next yeah. right it wasn't like hey this has to be a record or we can't you know yeah. release that or we can't put that on an album you know the album was it told a story it was an epic movie right yeah man. and to me back the jerry reed things you really didn't realize the depth of of his uh you know musicianship till you bought an album and listened to all of it in context 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, because yeah. all the records. Well, back then, you know, records, he did release some things are, you know, like, um, are you from Dixie or something with with a with a thumb picking oh. galloping kind of fast playing you know? So I'm from Dixie too. Yeah, or Alabama Jubilee and all that stuff. Man, so uh, the two major to two minor on that chord progression is probably the coolest. R- the which one now? Oh, on the, Alabama Jubilee, where it goes from that two major to two minor. Oh right, boom boom. Yeah. Yeah. The, you're talking about the. So uh, that's the, the original yeah. one you're playing. I, I'm playing the. Oh, well, this this might not be in standard, but... I think I'm in a weird tune, too. Well, let's see. I think that one's not, not set up standard. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it has that uh, little... Uh, it has that minor... You mean minor to the... To the six? To the six seven, major. Or, or D minor to the... Oh, I'm sorry. We're in C, so. Yeah. Ooh, wow, wow. Uh. Oh. Well, I, I have to. Now I can't get it in my head. I but, see, uh, yeah, it's in that verse section before it goes to the chorus. Don't let Yeah. Oh, Pops Brown jumping around like a clown. And Jemima, she done pass it. You know, and he says something. Watch your step, watch your One legged Joe jumping around on his shoulder. That's where it is. Throw away his crutches, Holland. Where'd he go? Well, let's see him. Hell, the gang's all here at the Alabama Jubilee. I like it. That, that was a weird style of playing, I thought. It was more like. Yeah, it's uh, like banjo almost, actually. It's like claw hammer. Yeah, it had a thing to it that was. Those, you can't yeah. buy those thumb picks. I don't anymore. know if you can hear about it. I don't have this plugged in. Oh, oh, is there a plug? You got that Bonato, the whole. Is that, that's like a whole pedal. Yeah, I just board. I grabbed that from. Yeah, that's just. From Cartage? Yeah. No, oh. I had it upstairs. You know, I had that. Yeah. Intense oh my god. Yeah, that. Oh, 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 sorry. stuff was yeah uh that was the intro it was like one two three four I can't remember that one. Oh. Which is just it. like the claw. Then of course, yeah, it, that's where it all came from, you know. It had that same, this, uh, all that. Right. 
Right. In yeah. the lower version, you, what you do on Hotwired is where I learned it from. It's where you do it right down here. Oh. Or like on Bringing Home. Well, I think that's tuned down. I think I'm half a step down, but yeah, that's all good. Just for example. Yeah, yeah that's right. All. And it's like yeah. the same thing. Yeah, all those open strings, you know. You know, getting all those kind of weird cr uh, chromaticisms yeah. in there. Sorry, Ooh. what was that? I wonder what that was. Always Bru love those. That is country guitar, like that monstrous yeah, truck that. sound. But Reed always had that kind of like clawing thing, that, that popping thing yep. with the first finger. Yo. You always have that. Oh, like that minor five over that. That's where I'm riding it. Whoa, so you just went from like C minor yeah, 7 was, to G major? I was trying to write a song that had a little twist or kind of with a little pop or something. What'd you, you know? just do number-wise? Uh, you know, I had, I had something cool. Where's my phone? Oh, come on. Did she take my phone? Your, Julie might have taken your phone. Julie, did you get my phone? Can, <laughs> can I have it, please? That is marriage. That is <laughs> but, it, but it had the... Uh, I, I had a sort of African beat to it. It was like sort a of Paul a Simon thing. You know. Wait, are you writing an album? Are you working on some new Yeah, I was, I was just writing that one. But uh, where's my phone? It's right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's been begging him to do it forever. Yeah. It has no time. No, he I honestly mean, doesn't have any time. But I had this, uh, I had an idea for the for the groove. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Thank you. Sometimes. I should have brought an amp up here for you. We okay, never get out of here. Go, back, go away now. Yeah, go away. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm teasing. I love her to death. <laughs> She's cute, isn't she? She's cute. <laughs> You're so cute. <laughs> now get out of here. You. <laughs> yeah, here. See, listen. Well, that, was that it? Oh, Did no, you? Who's it. playing drums, or is that a loop? That might not be it. <laughs> Who played drums? Is that a demo, or is that like a? Oh, come on! I, I, I was trying to. I had a beat here, but I could, a that beat was it. That, that silver sky looks cool. I, I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Here we go. Oh yeah, yeah. My bad. Oh, yeah, 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 I can hear it. Yeah, it's just it fine. Oh. 
like the Opry yeah. chord? Come on. I don't know. I gotta finish it. I gotta figure out what what to, uh, solo changes to solo over. Oh, where we yeah, just had C minor seven. C major seven. B minor. Would you ever track with that much reverb on, or would you keep it dry? Is that? Uh, it's, I think it's on two. I didn't really listen to it. Yeah. I had a little bit on there. No, if you were to track it, though, because like, a lot of the tones like that you've released are usually pretty, very dry, it sounds like, yeah, with some dry. slap. Um, I like to use a little verb or something just now and lately if I'm doing, you know, stuff like... Yep. Uh, some of those kind of... Oh, yeah, come on. The stack stuff. Don't you like use verb much? just a cool sound. I mean, if it freaks out engineers. Go, you got verb on there? They hate go, that. Yeah, don't you love it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, you know, it's, it's real. Nice, uh, uh, fender yeah, don't you love it? <laughs> Whoa. Maybe, yeah, that's a something. Uh, not to linger on that, but it's somehow messed That's beautiful, man. Whoa. Yeah, anyway. Whoa, that's beautiful. That's astounding. Man, well, I'm glad this guitar is out in the world. You want to listen to it? Play it? Oh, yeah, here. Here you go. All right, thanks. Cool. It sounds like it's got the middle pick up in it. Now pull up the knob. Pull up the knob there. So this is me out. trying it out the first right time. The, the, yep, the I'm pulled out. Yeah, it, it takes it out of the picture. It takes the middle pickup. So this is volume, tone, middle pickup phase. Yeah, no, the, the middle knob is the, the volume for the middle pickup. Wow. There's a volume for the middle pickup. Yeah, you're in. Yeah. So now I have none. Let's see. And now I have... Yeah. I must say... That's nice. Thanks, Good. man. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> like the best lick ever, right? It. Yeah, right. Uh, you ever do the harp? Throw a little harmony up. Oh, it's great. I've never done yeah, that. So you're uh, throwing in the bottom. Oh, come on. Wow. That sounds pretty good there. You got it sounding good. <laughs> I think it, man, you know, well. I love this middle sound. That's what I've been on lately, those Reggie tones. And my God, man. That's a... Yeah, so you, so you have the the middle pickup and the front and the neck pickup on, right? Mm -hmm. Right then. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's got a good. It's a Seymour Duncan in the in the front, so in the neck. Yeah. Both of them. They're are, they're all Seymour. They're Duncan. all Seymour. Yeah, hot stack in the middle. Um, Genius. Vintage stack in the back. Yeah. Okay. Vintage stack in the back. Yeah. <laughs> it's right where the horses are. Yeah. Whoa, that is yeah. an intensely middle. There you go. And so when I pull it up, what does that do? It cuts out the middle pickup. If you if you if you bleed oh, the middle pickup into the the picture, yeah, it doesn't do anything now, when it's up. And then if you want it out, just pull up. Pull it. Or is it down or up? Now if I so if I pull it up, it's not in there at all. Play. But now it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow, yeah. man. That's that's something the Fender uh, did in addition to the setup. I thought it was a good idea. They they okayed it with me. I go, yeah, that's a great idea. Why didn't I think of Joe that? Joe Glazer even th thought it was pretty cool. You know. So you so your model does not do that, or no, did you modify? It doesn't it? do that. So it always it splits has the it. coil instead. I never use the split coil. It just sounded kind of not good. Cheap, uh, it cheapened the sound to me. Yeah. Whoa! Wow, man, this is beautiful. That's really good, man. Man, thanks for letting me play this. That's astounding. Yeah. Whoa. This is beautiful. Well, every, every guitar player in the world who likes a Telecaster should go check out this guitar now. <laughs> yeah. Let me see the... Yeah. Uh, Here's that quarter inch. Yes, yeah, good plan. I love your plan. Man, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, this one does... It just... Uh, the, the... Um... It never really does much. I yeah. don't know. I think the pickups got older and it just it didn't have a, it doesn't have as much effect anymore yeah. on the pickup pulling it. You know, but Wow. Wow. It has a, you know, the, this one's a sweeter, it's a sweet sound. And that one, I think when you get them uh my uh strategy is to screw it down as low as you can i always like a pickup i don't like a pickup that's really raised up close to the strings i notice on yours the middle and neck are in the guitar man i think the guitar tones better if you could the lower you bring the pickup even down. on the bridge yeah okay yeah okay you know or you could back it off even more than that
There's a lot of verb on there, isn't there? I love verb, though. Oh. Here, that's what it is. Oh, there it is. Wow, <laughs> it all went away. Now there's none. Yeah, so I always like a little bit on on that. You know, right there. You go. See, that's better. Uh, Treble on two, bass on five. Good pickup. Yeah. Wow, wow. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Anyway, come so. on. Because I always, yeah, I always think the the pickup sounds better when I'm rolling it off a little bit. That's pretty loud. Oh wow! So I rolled off. Sounds more like a single coil. It but do. But but you got more to work with, right? You got some volume to work with. Yeah. Hey, are you working the volume knob or do you work the foot the foot pedal? What's that? I thought you always worked the foot pedal for volume. I do. Yeah. I don't have it on. Let's see. It's an old song called Little Darling. When you're talking about Danny Gatton, yeah. him and Emmons did that song. Sorry. 
this is it. Oh. Whoa, what was time. that? Five? Bro. Then a sharp then. So what's up, what's up? Jerry in there. Wow. Oh. Come on. <laughs> Whoa, man. You're Lenny working bro. <laughs> That's Lenny Bro. Yeah. Oh, come on. Well, no, it's sort of like that. Yeah, it's inspired by. Inspired by. All right. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. But, you know, I mean, sessions are, it seems like, to, you know, the more newer stuff I'm playing on now, it's more like, hey, what? give me a weird sound. Now, give me another weird sound, you know? Yeah. Now, what else you got that's weird? And I'm going, and then, weird. And then sometimes yeah. they're playing it all together. I go, stop. Yeah, man. Can we hear it like it? Maybe it's like the record's going to sound. <laughs> yeah. No, man. we're going to sort it all out later. Just give us some, you know, some... Uh, you know, timed out tremolos, or give us some uh, a wah that's a, a freeze pedal. Yeah. You know. Now, what else you got? You know, it's like it seems like there's it's less about playing anymore. You I know? know. So you know, it's good to, to see that you're you know you're doing the right thing, man. If you want to, you know, to play music that you enjoy, you know. Yeah, I mean, man. I mean, all I'd say all through my session life, there was some music that I thought. This I don't even like this stuff when I'm playing it. I'm trying to make it sound good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, I, well, I just go home going, well, I did my best on it, you know. If I don't find any inkling of soul in it or, some, you know, something I feel, it's hard to play a song, you know, and make it speak, you know. But, uh, but there's, you know, there's great stuff out there, but you just don't get to play, uh, you know, tear it loose that much unless you're, they aren't like Brad Paisley or, oh. or Keith Urban or something, you know. Yeah, man. If you're not a guitar player artist, you know, you don't really get to take off on a solo anymore. Nah, not for more than four bars. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, what they think is if you play more than four bars, you're going to lose the audience. That's you know? not it's true. Like, you know, short attention span theater, right? Hey, well, thanks, thanks for the time. Thanks for the time today. That means the world. Did we? Did I get anything worthwhile? <laughs> Besides, hey, I gotta go to the bathroom, and my wife, hey. <laughs> that sounds like a crazy uh, podcast. <laughs> the crazier, the better. Good. Yeah, thank all you right. for the time. I hope you this get to make some sense out of all that. <laughs> thank nonsense. you, right? All. <laughs> a one of a kind conversation. Now, that is the thing about podcasts. That is. That conversation will happen one time. Those moments will happen one time. And it was with one of my biggest heroes that's ever picked up a guitar. Um, I want to thank Brent and his wife, Julie, for welcoming into their home. Uh, Brent, for his uh, generosity of his time. Julie, for the, for the coffee and sharing the stories. And um, my God, that guitar, I cannot tell you guys enough uh, how fantastic it is. If you're watching this, go check out my YouTube where I unbox the, uh, the, the Fender Telecaster. And I play it. Um, it's a phenomenal instrument. It is the most uh, 
is the most important Telecaster in the history of country music, in my personal opinion. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to this. I hope you enjoyed how special of a, of a conversation this was. Um, we have a, uh, start off this episode, we have a version of Scarlet Begonias, which I don't know when and where it's from, so if you guys know when and where it's from, please do let me know. And then right now, we unfortunately just have some royalty-free music. I'm trying to figure out how to figure out this monetization. Uh, for the podcast with where we're at right now and um, YouTube doesn't like when you use uh, other people's registered sound recordings and rightfully so I get that as well um, so if you guys do want to support the podcast please do indeed go to Patreon Daniel Donato I post on there every single morning uh, instrumental guitar tracks that you can uh, listen to to start your day and just get a nice clear headspace going go listen to the new Cosmic Country album available on um, all platforms in the entire cosmos follow me on Instagram YouTube Facebook TikTok and leave a comment on um, on this podcast tell me if you guys liked it tell me if you think we need better mics or if we need uh, if I should get a haircut um, or something like that especially if you can tell how long my hair is by simply listening to it I just want to be your friend anyway anyway you guys stay patient stay persistent stay positive and stay cosmic